Hey, SalesLift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have Graham Taylor. How are you doing, Graham? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Tyler. I appreciate it. Happy Friday. Thanks so much for joining. Happy Friday. Graham is the training manager at Freesia, where he helps train some of these sales development reps there. He's also an SDR Nation coach, so heavily involved in the sales development world for many, many years now, graduating from an SDR to a manager, now doing training and enablement and coaching. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, Graham, is we're going to talk about training and onboarding brand new sales development reps, a very important topic and one that some companies get right, but a lot of folks are still trying to figure that out. I know that when you transition from kind of an SDR manager at Freesia to the training manager, you figure out how to formalize some of the onboarding process for new SDRs. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that process and what you went through there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. When I was an SDR manager at the time, the way we were onboarding new cohorts typically like once a month was not very structured at all. We had at the time, maybe like four or five SDR managers. And it was very much, hey, can you cover this session at two? I have to support a call then. Or, oh, I'll go in and do the end of day meeting. So there was a lot of chaos <laughs> in, involved in, in training at that time. And there was no leader or one support person that those, those new hires could rely on. Mm-hmm. Which is important uh, for those new hires. It sounds like it was a training by committee with the other SDR managers. Sure. But that can lead to some gaps probably without there being a dedicated resource to brand new reps, especially given the size of your SDR team there at Freesia, right? Yeah, 100%. It definitely, I think, caused some confusion. They didn't know right at the time who to go to with certain questions. I'm a big advocate of right, pulling other people into your onboarding program and having other people lead sessions. I think that's definitely a, a great way to, to go. But you need somebody to be the leader of that cohort. And like when something goes wrong or when they're not sure about something, they know exactly who to go to. And right, that person is responsible for making sure that the SDRs have a positive onboarding experience. That's so important. I loved your thought there about having different people involved because you get different perspectives and you get to hear from different parts of the organization, people with different backgrounds, experiences, different roles, maybe even. How do you decide who you're going to pull in to those sessions and what you're going to have them focus on when you're bringing in those different folks within the organization for onboarding? Yeah, sure. So a couple of things. I stay in touch with managers throughout our organization, right? So I know some of the folks on the product team or on our client services team, essentially implementation. When we're at the point in training, when we start to get into the product, I utilize folks from those teams mm-hmm. as well. But And then I, I know a lot of our account executives throughout our company as well. A lot of them I was SDRs with or I'm friends with. Mm-hmm. And I know there are different styles in sales, like you said. So whenever one of these account executives is interested in helping or has this kind of unique approach to something, I often pull them in and utilize them in training. Yeah, that's interesting. Like bringing in some of the AEs, I think that's a great idea. What are some of those topics that you might have the AEs train new SDRs on in that type of setting with first few weeks of onboarding? Yeah, so one of the big topics that I have our account executives talk about, and I'm going to be rolling out something soon where, where they'll be helping evaluate and do simulations with the SDRs, but a big focus there is on discovery. Our sales process, essentially our SDRs, after a cold call, set up a discovery meeting, do a, a short overview to give them a little taste about what we offer at Freesia, but more importantly, to learn about the practice and qualify, right? And then, of course, then 
we essentially meet with the account executive to prep them and introduce them into the deal. And a big part of that is we have a, an actual sheet, a discovery document that contains all the notes. And so for SDRs that are new in coming into the role, active listening, open-ended versus closed-ended questions, concepts that seem so simple, but you know, when you're on a meeting, might sometimes be hard to put into practice. And so we have them focus a lot on that piece. Yep, that makes sense. So it sounds like there at Freesia, the SDRs are actually running their own discovery calls. Would you consider it full discovery or light discovery? I know there can be some kind of nuances there. Depending how much of that discovery do you want done by the SDR versus yep. like when does the AE come into the process? Yeah, 100%. So yeah, after the cold call, we're essentially booking what is typically around 20, maybe 30 minute, call it the overview, but it's essentially a short deck where the SDRs ask questions about the practice. So Freesia, just to give some context, we call into medical practices. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about what challenges are you facing, what's going on in your workflows today, so on and so forth. And then they'll just give them a light sprinkle of you know, Freesia and, and what we do and to see if, hey, is that valuable? And if so, let's bring in one of my sales colleagues. Yep, exactly. Another benefit too is they're starting to get to know some of those AEs as well, right? Early on in the process yep. and understand, do the AEs ever touch on? One thing that's really important is the SDR to AE relationship. Is that ever touched on during onboarding or do you think that's better saved for when they're actually in seat and starting to work with their specific AEs? Yeah, I talk a little bit during onboarding and I actually talk with AEs, whether they're new to the company or recently promoted from the SDR role. I talk with them about working with the SDRs. So from both angles, right? Our process is a little interesting just because we have such a large team. We're about 140, 150 SDRs. Wow. Not sure exactly how many sales reps we have, but each SDR does not work with the same sales rep every time it can vary. But often we do see SDRs have several opportunities and several deals with the same yep. account executive. So they are, for the most part, segmented into teams, but depending upon a couple of variables, it could go to one AE or it could go to another. Got it. That makes sense. So let's talk a little bit more about, as you started to formalize this onboarding process for the SDRs, how long of a onboarding process did y'all create? When do you consider them, they're in onboarding versus they're not? And sure. then what are some of those things that they're doing during that onboarding period? So I like to make the distinction. Uh, I think sometimes people get confused between onboarding and then like fully ramping an SDR, right? Yeah. So for me, onboarding really takes place the first three to four weeks. That's essentially the, the, the training period. And when I think of that period, I have three to four big boxes that I, I like to check. So the first one, when an, an SDR joins the company, aside from like getting them excited about the company, hashing out any tech issues, all the housekeeping, the first thing I really jump into is teaching them the industry. They need to have a grasp on the high-level concepts and trends that are going on within the healthcare industry. And then once they can understand that, then we can go a little bit deeper and say, okay, what's our ideal customer profile? Mm -hmm. And more so, let's learn about our different personas and the people you're going to be talking to on the phone. Mm -hmm. What's their day-to-day -day look like? How do those top trend challenges trickle down to them? And then once you have a grasp there, then you can go towards your product. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about all the problems. Now let's talk about a solution to those problems, yep. right? 
And then those three boxes right there shouldn't take more than a couple of days to a week, right? So that's t- typically my first week of training. Yep. And then week two is a lot of times what some people refer to boot camp, right? So that's very sales focused. Now let's talk about cold emails, cold calling, injection handling, our sales process, et cetera, the Salesforce tools, things like that. And then the third week in our onboarding process is after they've, we do a lot of shadowing as well, things like that, is a simulation. So I essentially take them, the entire cohort, through a full-fledged simulation of the role in our sales process. So you've learned all this stuff, now put it into practice. And I find that builds a lot of confidence for the new hires instead of throwing all this material at them and now go do it for real. So like, let's do a trial run. Yep. Yeah, I love the way that you start with industry. I think that that's a great place because likely your new hires, they may or may not be from the healthcare industry. They may have some inkling about what the healthcare industry is, but they don't know it through the lens of Freesia and how you want them to understand the industry. So I love that starting there, then drilling into the ICP buyer personas, then the product. I think a lot of folks start with the product first. Without the industry or the who, it can be a little bit more difficult to grasp. Like, what are we doing here? Is that why y'all frame it in that order? Did y'all try product first and then switch it around? Or have y'all always done it that way? Sure. So back when it was before I was running training in, in the onboarding process, back when I was a manager, it there really wasn't a structure. It was just like, hey, that's a good time to do this. I can fit that in. Let's do that here. Yeah. So it was all over the place. And it, you know, that also doesn't provide a good onboarding experience. And so the reason I stepped back and created that structure and realized that was probably one of the best ways to go is Simon Sinek's Start With Why book and video. Yep. It's all about why are we doing this before we get to how or what it is. And so I think, why is Freesia selling our services and our product? Well, let's look at the major problems in healthcare first. Let's learn about those. And then when we get to the product, oh, I get it now. That right. makes total sense. That's where the puzzle piece fits in. Right. Which is how we want them framing it to the actual prospects too. Once they get exactly. enrolled, right? Start with the problem, start with what's going on in the industry. And then, oh, well, here's where we might be able to help out and fit in and give you some outcomes that you're looking for versus product, 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 feature, 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 buy, buy, buy. We want to start more with the industry and what problems our prospects might be facing first, right? Awesome. Okay, cool. And then from there, it sounds like you said week two, you get into a uh, boot camp that's sales focused. Is that like sales 101? Because I'm sure a lot of these folks, is this their first sales role? So is that kind of just teaching them the basics about sales and the sales development role? 100%. And so we cover subjects from cold calling to how to use Salesforce to what is our sales process. There's a lot of simulation, role play, listening to call recordings Mm -hmm. in that week. So that's a very busy week. Yep. And then you said you get into more of a simulation. It sounds like you may start touching on that in week two, but the simulation is them watching you maybe go through the role. Is that, is that where they're just watching someone else go through the role or you're trying to simulate them going through the role or is it a little bit of both? I'm simulating them going through it. We have all our steps aligned in the process. I assigned, there's, I think, five or six exercises okay. in there. One is you start off with a cold call, then you're creating an opportunity in Salesforce. Yep. Having that qualification call, having a prep call with a, a sales or an account executive, and then having that baton pass meeting. So we emulate a lot of that in this simulation, and I will 
either role play as a, a sales rep or I'll bring again, right. Other people to, to help me with that, because you know, if you're bringing on, we typically see around 20 SDRs a month have the large cohorts, right? So need a, a little bit of help scaling this, but from there we'll spot check their opportunities, take a look at the discovery that they create. We then have some examples from them to compare mm-hmm. their first time through it to. And so they can see where they fall short, where their strengths are and adjust as needed. Right. And Graham, is that with real prospects, real data? Or are we just giving them dummy data in that circumstance as they're going through that simulation? Yeah, good question. So it's it's, it's test accounts that I'm, okay. I'm creating, but most of the test accounts are, I looked up actual prospects that right. we have and it's carbon copy of that. Got it. That makes sense. And are they working in like a separate instance of your Salesforce as they do that? Or are they just in Salesforce and then just we just know that this is not real data? Yeah, it's the latter, right? So I label the test accounts all over. When we're running reports on my opportunities created per week, I'm like, you have to title this opportunity a certain way so it doesn't mess up the reporting, things like that. Which is important because obviously we don't want that yeah. test data to be impacting real world data and then yeah, things well, get skewed there. <laughs> yeah, our VP of sales gets on our pipeline call, hmm, what's this 20 uh, provider opportunity <laughs> test ABC pediatrics? Yeah, wow, that's an interesting name for that opportunity. That's an interesting uh, mm-hmm. title. That's interesting. So it sounds like you need some alignment here on how to set that simulation up. How are you doing the report? Reporting, what are you naming things? And also making sure like the other SDR managers or VPs understand like what is real and what is not. So it doesn't skew any real world data. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Was that a difficult process to go through or was that pretty simple? Did y'all just think of that and set all that up in a day or two? Or was that like a more extensive conversation where we had to really figure out how we're going to run that simulation? It wasn't too build to too tough to build out conceptually because I'm essentially just modeling it off right. of our sales process. What was the difficult part was figuring out how am I going to scale this with large cohorts without getting <laughs> burnt out a little bit. <laughs> Meaning you, the training manager, not get burnt out? Like doing yeah. as so many right. simulations? Yeah. 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 I can, I love what I do, but you can only do the same discovery call so many times in a day. <laughs> and once it gets to like eight yeah. or 10, like it's, ooh. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir there, Graham. Yeah. Like I, Sometimes I feel like I you know, it's Groundhog Day and I'm having you know, exactly. similar conversations all day long. And that can burn you out. And that's something you've got to think about. Who do you have running these trainings, whether it's a specific enablement person or trainer like yourself, whether it's a outsourced resource, whether it's a just an SDR manager or VP, whoever's running it for you. You've got to consider like their well-being too, which I think is sometimes yeah. lost. It's all like your job is to bring the SDR on. But also that can be like a pretty rote mundane job that that person can burn out on. How do you think companies can and like get ahead of that so where they don't end up burning someone like you out? Yeah, 100%. I, I think, right, support. So our job is to support the SER teams. And I think so many people often forget to support the supporters, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. There you go, Graham. Tell, tell exactly. them, tell them. <laughs> At Freesia, I'm, I'm super excited. We've lately been, there's been a big initiative and in not just the sales dev department, but all throughout the company to put a focus on trainers and so I have someone, she was recently promoted from the SDR role and she's had training experience before. And Perfect. now I've, for the most part, handed off the onboarding process to her and she's doing a great job of it or with it. And, and now that's allowing me to focus on some other things. How did you know, or how did your organization know that you needed an additional resource? What was that kind of trigger event or what happened for you to understand, I need somebody, I need some help here? 
Yeah, I think there were two things. One, I mentioned a little bit earlier, just the onboarding experience for new hires was not that great. And we got feedback as much saying. (laughs) So that was one. And we knew as we were scaling the organization, I think when I started as the training training manager, we had maybe like 50 SDRs, 40 or 50, something like that. So still a decent size, right? But at, at those times, we were only doing like cohorts of like five or six right. folks at a time. And then it was like, all right, we're going to scale this up to, to 20 people at a time. So there needs to be a dedicated resource there. Yeah. And I think the second kind of gap or signal to us that a dedicated person was needed was there were just patterns of things that the SDRs made mistakes on or we're not as well versed in their, their skills weren't where we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And it was happening over and over. And so it's like, okay, we need somebody to really hone in on these problems and figure out how to, to mitigate them and, and correct them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. So it sounds like after uh, three, four weeks, they end this onboarding process. Is there any formal, in, do they do any kind of test or certification to graduate from onboarding? Or is it just, you've made it this far, onboarding is now complete? Yeah, so pretty much at the end of that onboarding period, that's when we transition them onto a team where we're structured in various teams throughout the sales development organization. And there is no like right at the end of training, there is no graded evaluations, if you will, because that's part of the reason why we do the simulation. While it's not rated or anything, it gives us insight to... Right. Right. Is this SDR ready or not? Yeah. But once they transition onto the teams, I do biweekly or twice a week calls with them okay. to help that transition. So we refresh on a lot of the content. There's some new stuff that I'll cover. And, yeah. and a lot of it too is just like, how's the transition going? What do y'all want to focus on? What are you struggling with? So it helps that transition their their first month actually in role. Yep. I am creating an evaluation process. We again need help with that in terms of scaling it, but that's going to be around the 90 day mark. Gotcha. So that'll be between the onboarding and during the rest of their ramp time once they're already in seat. Exactly. Because I I think, I think I mentioned this earlier, right? So many people think, all right, like an SDR, they've been through a month of training. They're ready. Like, and no, the SDR is not fully ramped. They need time to get into the role, get, hands-on and, and really learn it for themselves. And in my opinion, on average, the 90-day mark is where SDRs should predominantly be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And so that's where then we're, we're looking to evaluate them and, and see, okay, what else is missing, et cetera. Got it. That makes sense. So it sounds like month one is mainly onboarding, classroom-style training, the simulation, and then month two, they actually get into seat with a reduced quota in month two? The way we do our quota is, yeah, this really could call it like a, a smaller quota. It's, it's that ramp period, right? Yeah. And we have them focusing on smaller accounts. And those are generally, those opportunities move quicker, right? You don't have to navigate through a people map in the organization as much. And that really helps them build confidence and learn our processes, get comfortable on the phones, so on and so forth. Yeah. Towards their 90-day mark, when they're a little bit more established, that's when we will bump them up within the sales development team, but to larger accounts or more specialized teams. Got it. So it almost, it sounds, do you consider, because earlier we talked about like the onboarding period versus when they're fully ramped. It sounds like by the 90-day mark, that's when that's when your organization considers the SDRs fully ramped. Yep. Yeah, I would say that's where we say, hey, this SDR should be hitting full quota consistently. They should not really 
require too much assistance. I'm sure there are the the what if situations, the one-offs, but for the most part, they should be pretty self-sufficient and, and know what they're doing. Does that twice a week support, you mentioned that you do uh, kind of coming out of that month one, you do two uh, two times a week still ongoing training. Does that last all throughout that that 90 day period or does that get cut, does that wean off like eventually or? Yeah, it's so yeah, that's our, right, their second month when they're finished okay. with training and that's over the second month, right? Okay. And so that, that is to one, just provides more support for them, but also it takes a little bit more pressure off of the managers. Yep as well because each team probably has somewhere between 12 and 15 SDRs on it. And I think it helps reduce that learning curve yep. a little bit more. Yep. That makes sense. What other pieces of advice would you have for folks out there, like in closing, just for folks that are building like this onboarding and, and ramping program for a new sales development team, any other pieces of advice that we haven't touched on that you think would be good for folks to know? Yeah. One thing that we've been doing. So Frisia is pretty much a fully remote company now. And a lot of companies I think are are going that way. And it, it creates a different dynamic in training and joining a new company. And so one thing that we started pretty early after we made that transition was having the SDRs essentially set up what I call intro calls throughout their first month of training. And we have a large team, as I mentioned, like 140, 150 members. Mm -hmm. So I break that up into groups and each new hire is responsible for throughout this first month, you need to be meeting with 15 of these SDRs to build a sense of of camaraderie and in kind of community, right? So on the, I tell them on these intro calls, you don't have to talk about work, right? You can talk about whatever you want. Sure. You can ask them for advice, so on and so forth. This is for you to get to meet your, your team members. And I think in a remote environment, a lot of times that can be missing these days. And so that's something I get a lot of feedback on. And then more so when they're starting to uh, shadow and transition into the role, they're like, oh, hey, I'm at so-and-so. They were really great in my intro call. I'm going to see, do you have any calls I can shadow? Things like that. So that's a big piece that I think is is more important than ever now that remote work is is much bigger than it was. Yeah, I totally agree. Such a hard thing to try to simulate in a remote, try to build in a remote setting, but one that's very important, one that a lot of people sitting alone at home in their bedroom or in their office are wondering, like, how do I connect with these other people? There's all these hundreds of people that, how do I interact with them? So I think giving people the uh, the opportunity and space to do that is really important. Graham, if my listeners want to find you online, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place would probably be my LinkedIn profile. And then from there, like I I mentioned, I'm also a coach at SDR Nation. Okay. So if if SDRs become members there, you'll see me all over the SDR Nation space as well. Perfect. Awesome. That is fantastic. We'll link to those in the show notes. And uh, Graham, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Tyler. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas, now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.